The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash Florio and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash Florio. F-L-O-R-I-O. Thanks for your help. 37-year-old Thomas Morstead will get the belt high long snap and a right-footed punt. He is sent down the far side, backpedaling as Davis. The catch on a squad of the 12. Breaks a tackle 15 up the middle of the 20. Breaks a tackle 30. Foot race to the 40. Down the near side, 50. On the numbers, the 40. He's going to go. The 20, the 10. They'll chase him, but they will not catch him. It's a punt return touchdown. 87-yard return. Well, that was all that the Chargers would need on Monday night. They could have just they could have just stopped trying to score points at that moment and still won the game. Darius Davis taking the kick, 87 yards for a touchdown. Life comes at you fast, Thomas Morstead. Toast of the league a week ago. And uh, not that it's his fault the guy ran 87 yards, but not not quite the same outcome that Morstead had with all those great punts in Punt Fest. It was almost Punt Fest again. Oh, only 14 total punts. Wow, that's that's nothing. We're used to having 57. And by the way, by the way, say good morning to Miles Simmons. A day earlier than usual. Chris has kind of been worn down by the grind of Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So now he's going to do Wednesday for a couple of weeks which is fine because we'll bring back after further review on Wednesday. A lot of you have been asking for that. Not that it's a long story, Miles, but but anyway, you're here Tuesday. You get to react to that stellar, fascinating, unforgettable Monday night game that we witnessed last night. Aren't you happy that you've gotten that assignment? Well, Mike, you know, as someone recently said about a different game, I mean, I just thought that that was, you know, a really high-level game between two teams that are really, really good. So, you know, I think it's great that we get to talk about it today. (laughs) Well, 
And yeah, that's the the problem. Even though the Chargers won by twenty one, they were not great. They had under two hundred uh-huh. yards of total offense, but their defense their defense put the clamps on the Jets all night long. And the problem with it is you really can't tell whether it was great Chargers defense or just horribly inept New York Jets offense, maybe a combination of both. Before we get to that though, I'm in the habit of talking about things other than football to start the show. And I have to make a combination praise and complaint. Now, I've been shaving for 40-plus years. I can't remember when I started. I remember kind of jostling to shave when I was a kid and my dad saying, you don't want to be in a hurry to shave like if you got that one whisker on your chin, you don't want to be in a hurry to shave because once you have to shave, you have to do it every day for the rest of your life. You will always be shaving. And sometimes I'll shave morning and I'll swing back around at night because I start getting what used to be five o'clock shadow, but now is just like five o'clock white mold growth on my face. And when I miss a spot now, I know I've missed it because there's a white patch somewhere on my cheeks, chin, or under my neck, or above my lip. But here's my point. This is all I got today. But this is still a valid point. And anyone out there that uses Edge Shaving Gel, and I've been using Edge Shaving Gel since I was 18. I love the concept of this this little green blob that this tiny little green dollop that you squirt in your hand and it makes, and it just keeps going. It's just like loaves and fishes. It just keeps going. This tiny little thing, and it's great. And I use the orange cap for sensitive skin because you may be surprised to know this, Miles, but I'm very sensitive. My skin is very sensitive. So my, I have no, I love the product. I'm a 40 year aficionado of Edge. Shaving gel. With all apologies to any sponsors out there who directly or indirectly support other types of shaving cream that we either have had, will have, or currently have, but not much longer. Edge is great. Get Edge. Here's my only complaint. You get no warning that it's running out. You get no warning whatsoever. Like with other shaving creams, Noxema, Barbasol, take your pick. You know you're getting down to the end because it's starting to sputter. And you got to like turn it and then you got to turn it upside down. And you know you're getting to the end and you're getting that one last. And it's like, okay, I'm in that window of within the next two or three days, I'm not going to have any, but I'm going to make it work. With Edge, when it's done, it's done. That's it. It's done. So my excuse for getting here two minutes before showtime today, (laughs) not to be confused with any other day I show up two minutes before, Uh I get out of the shower and I dry myself off and I get ready to shave and I pick up the can of edge and I press the button and nothing happens. It's like, son of a, like, can't you give me a warning? Can't you give me an idea? Like, it's just gone. It's normal, 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 gone. And with the the other shaving cream, you just at least have about a one week grace period to get your affairs in order and go to the store and get more shaving cream or order it from Amazon or however you get your shaving cream. So I had to shave with just water today, and I'm amazed that it's not a tapestry of little red dots like when Homer (laughs) taught Bart how to shave. Remember when Homer taught Bart how to shave and he imparted to him the three things that will get you by in life, the three things to say in any situation. 
good idea, boss, cover for me. And it was like that when I got here. Those are the three things that when Homer thought he was dying after he consumed the venom of the poison blowfish and he taught Bart how to shave and he had the little toilet paper all over his face. Anyway, anyway, that's my way to waste a few minutes in the morning and just kind of get ourselves going, get the blood flowing. Fortunately for me, the blood is not flowing out of the pores on my face. And with that, I say good morning. What do you shave with? Uh, I've had to go through different shaving creams now because they stopped making my favorite one. It's the same uh, thing I'm going through with like face soap right now. They also stopped making my favorite Listerine. I just I'm going through a lot of different products, you know, right now because like we're on a trial period basis because for whatever reason, companies have decided that they don't want to make the things that I've been buying for the last decade since I became an adult and, you know, have said to buy my own things with my own money. Uh, also, I, I did not know any of what you were talking about with the Simpsons because we could not watch the Simpsons in my mother's house because uh, she did not like the way that the parents treated the kids or the kids treated the parents. So they were very disrespectful. That wasn't something we wanted to mimic and emulate in our house. So that's why I'd, I've never heard of any of that until you just said it right now. Oh, it was disrespect and dysfunction going both ways, going in every direction in the Simpson household. My son and I You're were right. talking over the weekend about this. That show's been on since 1989, continuously. Yeah. Older than me. I don't really watch it anymore. I love the old ones, first few seasons. Like, once the movie came out, I lost interest in watching the show, which makes no sense. We went to see the movie, and it's kind of like I've had my lifetime fill of Simpsons. I don't need to see any new Simpsons. If I ever want to watch it, I go back and watch, you know, something from one of the first few seasons. Anyway, you said they stopped making your favorite kind of Listerine. Listerine is Listerine. What are you talking about? They still make Listerine. I know they've got different colors, and they've got... They've got the rinse. I use the rinse, the alcohol-free rinse. It's like a purple. Um, it's like it's yeah, yeah. Because the, like the, 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 the regular care, Listerine. Yeah, total no, care. That's it. Used total to have, care. Yeah, Listerine yeah, yeah, care. yeah. Which they the dentists like that better because it's got something that prevents cavities more than just your fresh burst Listerine, which is what I switched to. And then I was at the dentist a few weeks ago, and they're like, "No, you need to start using Act now." And I'm like, "I don't." I also like you need to start by brushing the tops of your teeth. And I literally said to the hygienist, why hasn't somebody told me this before I turned 32 years old? You mean I've been brushing my teeth wrong for the last 30 years since I could do it myself? What's going on here? But I do not really like this alcohol free trend that we've got now going with mouthwash, because how do you know it's working? You know? I, I, I like to feel the burn a little bit. Like, let's get this thing going in oh. my mouth so I can feel it turning clean and then I can go along with the rest of my day with a nice, fresh mouth. So it, it's, yeah, it's, it's a whole well, thing. Well, the, 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 problem, the problem with that is when you spit and it includes, like, multiple layers of flesh from inside of your mouth, that can be a problem. So I'm confused. Smoke fewer cigars. Did they stop making? Did they stop? Well, that balances it all out. Did they stop <laughs> making? The Listerine that you chose to use, or are you like so deferential to your hygienist that you've decided because they said use ACT, you're going to shun, you're going to boycott the extra burst special care Listerine that, that you were mentioning? I can't remember what it was. No, it but was. Did they, they stop making it, or the, are you just boycotting? No, they stopped making the whatever it was. I don't know. The Listerine Advanced, and it was cool blue. And now they only have the the cool mint in that particular kind with actual alcohol in it. 
And the kind that I used to get, they made zero alcohol and I don't like the zero alcohol. So then I started using the purple kind, which with alcohol, and then they don't have the purple kind with alcohol at the drugstore anymore. So then now I switched to the fresh burst. And then that one doesn't have the thing that prevents cavities that the purple one has. So now it's like, okay, well, I, I think that they've got the purple one with alcohol at the grocery store usually. But the last time I tried to find it, it was sold out. So then I had to, I, I just... Like, why can't we just keep things yeah. the way that they've been for the last decade? You know, like I said, I, I've, I've been doing the same thing. Why do I have to change now all of a sudden? It, were nobody else buying this thing but me? Is that possible? <sighs> it got me going a little bit. While we're in the vicinity, while we're in the vicinity of oral hygiene, I, I have periodic pangs of guilt because I have discovered the floss pick. Remember in one of the first USFL games in early 2022, one of the players had a floss pick. It's just actually in his mouth the whole time, which just seemed yes. inherently unsafe. But yes. I love the floss pick because it's so much easier than getting that strip and doing the whole angle thing. That floss pick, man, you you get it done. But like, Millions of floss picks in landfills across the world cannot be a good thing. So I have guilt every time. It's like, and I do it every time. Oh, floss pick, floss pick. This is great. Floss, floss, floss. I'm doing it. I'm doing what I should do. I'm following my dentist. Always floss, floss, floss. You know, because the dentist says you don't have to floss all your teeth, just the ones you want to keep. Floss, floss, floss. And then I discard it. And it's like, there's another floss pick that will be there a million years from now. I'll be long gone. My floss picks will still be buried in the landfill. Anyway, that'll be somebody else's problem. Hey, you, Mike, you got to get the biodegradable get ones. They've got biodegradable ones ah. now, which are the ones that I buy. If I'm not, you know, using, especially if I'm going to travel, I think that those are sometimes a little bit easier. Maybe they're not than the having the entire thing of floss. So you just get a couple of those things. Boom, boom, boom. And then you throw them away. and You don't have the guilt because they are biodegradable. I've, available at a retailer near you. I've learned. See? See, folks, you've learned absolutely nothing, although some of you may have picked up some oral hygiene tips. But this 10 minutes was worthwhile because now I'm aware that there are biodegradable floss picks. Of all the guilt that I carry around on a daily basis, I can remove a floss pick size amount of it by shifting to <laughs> biodegradable floss picks. PFT Live, Peacock, Sirius XM 85, Sky Sports NFL, podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, brought to you today by Biodegradable Floss picks, but not by Edge, because I need a warning edge when the shaving cream is running out. Okay, there's got to be a metaphor in all that for the Jets offense. We're talking about defective dental products. The Jets offense is inherently defective. I thought they'd win just because the Chargers do Chargers things. I'm very impressed that the Chargers have managed to go a couple of weeks without being the Chargers. And the Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana, it's always something. They keep winning. I'm Well, any time that Brandon Staley doesn't cause his own team to lose, I'm very impressed by that. So last night, as I said earlier, Chargers defense, was it great? Was it the Jets offense was inept? Was it some of both? It doesn't matter. The Chargers win. They move to four and four. The Jets lose. They fall to four and four. Eight sacks, three takeaways, no touchdowns allowed. We had two and a half sacks from Joey Bosa. Khalil Mack had two sacks. Tuli 
I know I'm going to get this wrong. And I heard it last night 50 times. Found it out. Why am I having trouble with all take these it, syllables? Take your time, Tui Polo 2. Tui Polo 2. Tui Polo 2. Tui Polo 2, baby. Tui 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 Polo 2 had a couple of sacks, and he really dropped the hammer near the end where, you know, I thought Zach Wilson had some mobility, but he got deer in the headlights with Tui Tui Polo 2 late in the game. It was one of the last sacks where that was the moment where it's like, oh, this shit is over. Like, I kept trying to will the Jets to do something. Here it is here. This is the one where seven and a half minutes left, third and 12, 20 to six. If they're ever going to do anything, they're going to do it now. Tuli Tui Polo 2 dropped the hammer on Zach Wilson. And that was that. There's that fumble that that uh, really put the hammer or the nail in the hammer, or the last nail in the coffin, and they hammered it in with a hammer. There it is. And that was that Something. for the... Yeah. I got there somewhere. I got there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so that's that. That's all we need to see. The Jets' offense stinks. The Chargers' defense swarmed. It was a lot like that Seattle Giants Monday night game played on the same field some, what, six weeks ago maybe, five weeks ago. They're all blending together, but when the Seahawks just repeatedly engulfed Daniel Jones. Same kind of thing last night. Not that Zach Wilson didn't have chances. There's just, you know, for the little improvement, little improvement, little improvement. A night like last night, I don't know, it kind of sets him back. Like, I didn't see a whole lot of good decision-making. The clock in his head didn't speed up. He wasn't getting rid of the ball. He had a couple of throws that were like, oh, hey, maybe we got something here. But for the most part, I really do think it was a healthy combination of Zach Wilson not having a great night and the Chargers defense putting it together for one moment because everyone was healthy for a change. And we'll see how long they can keep these guys healthy. If they can keep them healthy, they can keep playing like that, maybe. Well, as one of my really good friends likes to say, you know, sometimes things are a little column A and a little column B. And so if we want to say, yeah, it's the Chargers defense or, yeah, it's the Jets offense. I mean, I think it's a combination of both that then adds up to what we saw last night, because it's not like the Chargers defense is not talented. Right? We know that they've got players that can be elite when we're talking about Khalil Mack, when we're talking about Joey Bosa, when we're talking about Derwin James. But. Let's remember that they came into this game and this week rated number 32 against the pass, right? And they're only 32 teams, so that means they're dead last. And I'm sorry, but when we've got a, 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 an offensive combination that is Nathaniel Hackett designing and calling plays, an offensive line that is an absolute mess, and Zach Wilson, who is in year three but cannot competently run an offense at an NFL level, this is the result you're going to get. It's a mess. It's bad. It's not good. And I don't really know where we want to start to blame people or in the blame with people. But to me, it's a combination of all three things coming together and making it so that it is just very, very, very hard to watch the Jets play offense. I, I, I don't even know where to begin or end with this because it's that bad. And so, you know, people were in my mentions last night talking about, oh, you need to cut Zach Wilson some slack. Why? I, I, this is a third-year quarterback. He's not a rookie. I'm sorry, okay? I'm not cutting Nathaniel Hackett slack either for designing a poor offense to go against the number two passing offense, okay? I'm not giving the offensive line that much slack either because they're, they're professionals and they get paid. So, I mean, it's just, it's really, really hard to watch when a team goes out there and looks like that. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And it makes me wonder why Aaron Rodgers is busting his ass to try to come back. Last night, the latest step. I mean, frankly, the Aaron Rodgers pregame workouts are far more compelling than anything that happens on the field during the Jets games currently. The last two games, somehow they won one of them. But there he is last night with the awesome Salute to Service hoodies. This year, congratulations whoever designed that thing. I know it's a challenge every year coming up with a new one, and they're mainly green. It's the Army fatigue color, camouflage, whatever. This year's are awesome. They almost look like they're some kind of a rough leather. They are awesome, and I've ordered one, and it's on the way. But there he is before the game, perfectly fine, throwing the ball like 50 yards. And I said at the end of the show yesterday that – I'd heard from someone in a position to know these things. There's an assumption he's going to want to practice in a couple of weeks. And I guess at some point last night, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman said something about him playing in December. I didn't hear them say it the first time. I just heard them make an allusion to it after the fact about December. But if that's what you're going to be protected by, do you really want to come back and put yourself at risk of either re-injuring your torn Achilles tendon or having some other injury, because that's why he got hurt on the fourth snap of the year. He was already running for his life behind that leaky offensive line. That's the problem. They can't get it going up front. And I know it's not easy as the season unfolds to make improvements to your offensive line, but if I'm Aaron Rodgers and I'm hell-bent on coming back, I mean, I really think that you have to sit down and do an honest assessment of what's the upside, What's the downside? Because after he spends months coming back from the torn Achilles tendon, does he really want to spend months after that? And this, I mean, I think you have to, this isn't some random risk like getting struck by lightning. You're going to come back and play football behind a bad offensive line. Do you want to put yourself in a position after you have gone on an accelerated rehab program to come back and play to possibly spend the full off season rehabbing some other injury? I don't know that I want that just to prove some sort of weird point to myself or someone else. Unless I think there is a real chance of doing something special when I return, that's a little bit too much of a risk to have to rehab the other AC or the other Achilles or an ACL or this or that or whatever because the offensive line isn't going to give me any time. That's getting lost in all this. What's he coming back to, regardless of wins and losses? What situation is he stepping into? He's stepping into a situation where the risk of injury is going to be greater than it would be for other quarterbacks. Yeah, but I mean, it is his offense, right? This is his offensive guy, and it's his offense, and it's a lot of his chosen skill players. I mean, Alan Lazard did not have a good night last night, right? I mean, between the drop passes, the penalties, he did not look very good out there. So I I don't know exactly if that's going to magically improve when Aaron Rodgers gets there. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But that's another one of those guys that's like, okay, that's Aaron Rodgers' buddy. That's why he is on the team, right? Nathaniel Hackett is there 
for basically the second year in a row because the team was trying to lure Aaron Rodgers to their building. So that's the kind of thing that Aaron Rodgers is going to come back to. Again, it's his offense that he helped design with Nathaniel Hackett and Matt LaFleur with Green Bay. So that's what he's coming back to, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I I just think it, it is a medical marvel. And like, I have to credit him for doing whatever work that it is that he is doing to be able to get back to this point this quickly from an Achilles injury. I mean, I don't really know what he's doing. I don't know if they're playing like sounds of dolphins on the sideline as he is like throwing passes to make him feel that much better. Whatever the hell it is he's doing, it's working. So good for him for that. But I mean, like you said, I don't, I don't really know what else we can really say about, oh, he's coming back to X, Y, Z. Because like, look, this is his chosen situation and it's not necessarily his chosen offensive line, but like all the rest of this stuff is designed for Aaron Rodgers. So that's, I guess, what he would be coming back to. Apparently, Aaron Rodgers said to Derwin James after the game, give me a few weeks. Not between the Chargers and the Jets in the regular season, but there it is. Give me a few weeks. That's it. I didn't hear it, but I'll, I'll trust Courtney that he said, give me a few weeks because the background noise is really loud and it's blowing out my eardrum. I assume that he said it in there somewhere. So he did, yes. Again, I, I dropped that little turd in the punch bowl on the way out yesterday where I said someone in a position to know was assuming he's going to want to practice in a couple of weeks. But let's have the grown-up conversation, Aaron Rodgers. We're concerned for your long-term health and well-being. We want you to be able to be 100% going into 2024 if you come back and play. We assume the Jets are maybe going to spend some of your $33.8 million that you left behind on offensive linemen in the offseason so you'll be better protected. Do you really want to come back? And there's five games in December for the Jets. And then there's one more after that in the regular season. I don't know when in December, but that's a long stretch. And when you look at what the Jets have coming up, they've got the Raiders on Sunday night football. Mm. And then after that, it's Bills in Buffalo, Dolphins Black Friday, Falcons, which won't be easy, Texans, which won't be easy. they got three straight home games, Dolphins, Falcons, Texans. That's December 10th, and they're at Miami on the 17th. Christmas Eve visit from Commanders at the Browns short week Thursday. Those are the December games. Like, when do you come back, and what do you really prove if, when you come back, you're running for your life like you were on three of the four snaps that you played eight weeks ago last night? It's amazing that he is where he is eight weeks and a day later. It really is amazing, and it's causing more and more people to say, he didn't really tear the thing all the way through. I mean, I've been hearing that for weeks. There's no way this guy tore the thing all the way through, and he's back doing this stuff. There's no way. There's no amount of dolphins doing what dolphins do to make more dolphins in the world that can make this heal if it's fully torn. It wasn't fully torn. Nobody knows that, but it's just kind of like this is too – it's too Hollywoodish. It's just, it's not, you can't suspend disbelief for this. It couldn't have been a full tear. I don't know that. I just know I keep hearing it more and more and more, especially after last night. But even with that, what are you coming back to if the offensive line is, to use a word that we've been repeating from time to time as an alternative to the S bomb, caca? That's what their offensive line has been. That's how it's been performing lately. 
And that's not conducive to keeping Aaron Rodgers healthy. And it's not conducive to letting him do Aaron Rodgers things and save the day. And that's the thing. They lose that game to the Raiders on Sunday night, short week, fly to Las Vegas with a Raiders team that's doing the ding dong, the witch is dead thing. And they're smoking cigars and everyone's happy because Josh McDaniels is gone and they got nothing to lose at this point. That's a dangerous spot all of a sudden. They lose that one. They got the Bills. They got the Dolphins. We could be looking at a four-game losing streak here, four and seven, almost close to done before Rodgers rides in on the white horse to save the day. I just think that it makes for good conversation. I just don't think it's realistic, and I think someone needs to tell him, Aaron, you probably just shouldn't come back this year. Much as I want him to do it, probably shouldn't come back. Uh, it may, hey, Mike, it's good for business if he does. I mean, I think we know that. The more oh, I know. We can get Aaron Rodgers. I yeah, know. Right? <laughs> but so I'm thinking I, about the guy's health. Somebody's got to think about right. the guy's health. He's going to come back and get hurt again behind that offensive line. Totally. And, and you know, Mike, what I think about is uh, one of the scenes in Hard Knocks where, you know, Aaron Rodgers was kind of complaining to Nathaniel Hackett about some of the design and some of the calls. I think it was a two-minute drill that they were trying to run, and it was just one of those scenes that I kind of filed away in the back of my mind like, hmm, maybe there's something here because I don't know if that was just kind of played up for drama or whatever it happens to be, but when you already have the quarterback kind of not necessarily very happy with what was going on with the offensive design and the offensive play calling and the structure and things that are just happening in practice in August, then – that can sometimes be something that will come up later on in the season. And granted, Aaron Rodgers is not out there, but I, I think about this when I'm looking at what Zach Wilson is asked to do and some of those plays where you see the replays, right? And you're looking at it and yeah, Zach Wilson's holding on to the ball and sometimes he just needs to try to make a play and do something. And like, like I said, this is why this is kind of a match made in hell. I, Zach Wilson's not really doing a good job of processing, but there also aren't that many solutions for him. And when he's getting pressured that quickly, it also means that uh, he doesn't have time to make the processes. So, like I said, I, the offensive design and the play calling is not very good. The offensive line is not very good. Zach Wilson is not very good. And all these things can be true at once. And then it adds up to, as you just you know so eloquently put it, caca. Right. But even if all these things break down and we look at what Zach Wilson's doing here, protect the damn ball when you're in the pocket. Right. These are things that as a year three quarterback, you have to do. You have to protect the ball when you're in the pocket. I don't care if things break down. Right. We have to be able to have that expectation and that play where he's like pitching it to Breeze Hall. I don't know what the hell happened there either. It almost looked like that was supposed to be a forward pass in some way so that if something like that happens, then it's not a fumble. But then here we go again. Right. We're not protecting the ball in the pocket. We don't have a feel for where things are. The ball comes out and then we punch it forward. This is just not good enough. It's just not good enough. And I don't really know what you do at this point if you are the New York Jets to try to make things better for Zach Wilson. But you either have to simplify stuff, you have to do a little bit of different combinations on the offensive line to try to protect him a little bit better. You have to maybe speed the clock up and instead I realize that they're going tempo, no huddle and things like that. But man, it just it can't continue to be this when you have a defense on the other side that's as good as it is. And it gets back to clock in the head. When does the 
buzzer go off? How long do I have to get rid of it before Khalil Mack's hand is going to hit mine on the backswing? Before somebody's going to disrupt what I'm doing? You have to build that into your anticipation of your throwing. When does the door slam? You know, the old Indiana Jones, another movie from the 80s that I suspect you've never seen. Maybe you have. I don't know. But you reach back and get your hat. You know. You know. You know, I, I can get back and reach my hat before the door comes down. Well, Zach Wilson's hand's getting crushed by the door on a regular basis. That's part of the problem. And that flip, that I'm, I'm glad you, you pointed that out. That was such a weird play. It's like he didn't want the ball. It's like it was a hot potato or, or an actual caca. I, it's like getting rid of it. Like, it's like th- there's got to be a rhythm. There's got to be a flow. There's got to be something that gives you confidence. Let's hear from Robert Sala, the head coach of the Jets, on last night's performance from Zach Wilson. I don't know if you could say step back. You know, there's like I said, there's it's all encompassing. Like, um, you know, obviously he's going to want some things that he he wishes he could have done better. Um, uh, you know, we, from from protection to, to to it's just a little bit of everything. It's just uh, one of those bizarre games. It just every time we had momentum, uh, like I said, just a self-inflicted wound. Uh, wound uh, was it his best game? Obviously not. Was it his worst game? No. I'm not going to say it was even close to his worst game. But uh, uh, I think the entire offense. Obviously, we all could have been better. Here's the problem. If Aaron Rodgers comes back and plays well, it just underscores that Zach Wilson is not the guy to whom the baton will be handed whenever Aaron Rodgers is done. Like, that plan is 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 over. And I say that with some reluctance because I've held out hope that Zach Wilson was going to improve to the point where you could say, you know what, okay, based on what we've seen, the bulk of his efforts – Ups and downs, highs and lows, but won enough games. He goes back to the bench. He studies, 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 watches Aaron Rodgers, takes advice from him. Maybe he could be. I think the the average, reasonable, sane Jets fan would be at the point now where they can conclude, and I'm sorry, Zach, he's not the guy after Aaron Rodgers. Whenever Aaron Rodgers is done, they got to find somebody else. It's just not working. And – and maybe he just needs, you know, more opportunities to learn how to process better behind an offensive line that actually can block for him long enough that he can understand it. But you get to a point where you've either got it or you don't. And this is year three. We don't get five years anymore for NFL quarterbacks to figure it all out. The Terry Bradshaw days are long gone. But by year three, you got to show something. you got to show a basic fundamental ability to do it. And, and he's not. And when you consider what their defense did last night, 136 passing yards for Justin Herbert, franchise quarterback Justin Herbert, 136 passing yards. When you look at the Chargers' offensive statistics, you you should be able to say, wow, Jets, Jets might have won this one. Jets probably won this one. If you only look at what the Chargers did offensively, the points they generated from their offense, the yards, the first downs, the sacks, everything, wow, Jets are – Jets are five and three. Nope, because their offense didn't do anything last night. And one reason that I'm very impressed by the Jets' defense, even when it was obvious 
that it just wasn't happening. They're still out there playing with passion. They're flying around. They still believe. And that may be why they beat the Giants, because the defense always believes, even when the offense is clearly not in a position to generate two scores, much less one, in the fourth quarter of a of a game that the defense is getting its job done. I mean, look, I, I think Troy Aikman said it best last night, you know, after the game they were on SportsCenter with Joe Buck, and he goes, this is a bad team with a great defense. And it is, right? The offense can't really get much done. The defense is doing really good things against an offense that has a guy that is supposed to be ascending into that elite tier this year. But I don't really know that Justin Herbert really is ascending into that elite tier this year. I, that, I'm not seeing that, especially over the last few weeks. I mean, I was at that Cowboys game at SoFi on Monday night a few weeks ago. I didn't think he was that impressive. I didn't think he was very impressive against the Bears. Now, the Jets defense will do this to mostly everybody. So it doesn't shock me that he was exactly he wasn't exactly looking all that great. I mean, Patrick Mahomes didn't look very good against them either. So that's one thing. But yeah, look, the Jets' defense is doing things that makes you say, yes, this is a team that if they had something, anything on offense, they would be more competitive. But I can only go back to something else you said, Mike, about the Zach Wilson and, and the internal clock and everything. When I was watching that game again with the Titans and the Steelers last Thursday, one of the things that impressed me the most about Will Levis is that he understood – when he needed to get the ball out of his hands because somebody on that defense was coming, right? The clock in his head was working. And that's a dude that's in his second start, okay? We're not talking about a number two overall pick who's in year three. And that, to me, is the inherent problem with Zach Wilson. All right, we are talking about a guy who is in year three, and I am sick and tired of moving the goalposts of, oh, he's improving, oh, he's doing this. Why can't you cut him some slack? Why are we judging him on a different standard than we judge every single freaking quarterback in the National Football League? Are we cutting Mac Jones slack? Are we cutting Justin Fields slack? No, we're not. I'm tired of doing this. I just, I, I've had enough, you know? Like, let's judge Zach Wilson on the same things that we judge other quarterbacks on. If he can't pilot an offense in year three, that's a problem. And he can't. So if somebody who like Will Levis can come in in his second start and he can do it, right? Why are we not? sort of setting that bar in much of the same place for a guy who is in his third year with the same team. That's what frustrates me. And it is a combination of a lot of factors. What kind of talent do you have around you? What kind of coaching do you have? It's a different offensive coordinator than the one he started with. And you know what? Even though Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers are good friends, there is a chance, a chance. We have to at least account for the possibility based upon what we saw last year in Denver that Nathaniel Hackett just isn't very good. That's possible, too. That he benefited from having Matt LaFleur, an offensive guy, right? It's one thing to be an offensive coordinator working for a head coach who was an offensive coordinator and got the job because of it, like Andy Reid, and being an offensive coordinator for a defensive coach who isn't all that involved in what you're doing offensively. And you can get yourself exposed that way. And that may be part of it. So this is why I'm a big proponent of anyone who's got leverage, who's got options, who is highly coveted when the draft arrives, have say in where you go. Look at that class of 2021. Usually it's about a 50-50 proposition, boom or bust for quarterbacks in round one. Trevor Lawrence, 
He's already on the short list. Great. Everybody else, forget about it. Zach Wilson, no. Trey Lance, no. Justin Fields, no. Mac Jones, no. I know he made the Pro Bowl two years ago because like 17 other quarterbacks tapped out. No. Right now for Mac Jones, it's a no. And part of it, part of it, Miles, is the fault of the stupid-ass Frankenstein monster experiment that Bill Belichick tried last year with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge running that offense. It ruined Mac Jones. It undid whatever he was able to do by way of figuring out the game in his first year. And now he's dealing with that. This should be year, you know, this is year three of an ascending talent. Instead, it's kind of year two with year one undermined by the disaster that happened last season. So I'm not making excuses for these guys, but at the same time, it's not just them. And I still think back to 1999 when you were eight years old, not quite eight, you turned eight in September, you were seven when the draft happened. If Achilles Smith goes to Eagles with Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb ends up in Cincinnati with that that situation, which was decades of dysfunction, does Achilles Smith become the fringe Hall of Famer? Does Achilles Smith become the guy that takes the Eagles to four straight conference championship games? And does Donovan McNabb disappear within a couple of years? I think there's a chance in that alternate reality it happens. So it's a combination of where you are, who's helping you on the field and off, and your innate abilities. But at some point, Miles, to your point, at some point, if a quarterback's going to be great, he figures out how to color within the lines. Peyton Manning would have figured it out. Peyton Manning would have found a way. And you just got to get rid of the football. Just get rid of the football. It comes down to that. And that's why if Aaron Rodgers comes back, maybe it will be different. Maybe it will. But but again, before the Jets play a single game in December, he turns 40. That's yeah. the other side of this, too. Can he protect himself? Can he move? Can he do what needs to be done behind that offensive line that isn't good enough right now? And it's not going to get dramatically better in the course of the next few weeks. No, it, it, it's not. And look, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is probably not going to, you know, airmail a simple out route on the second play of the game that's pretty open, right? I mean, it's not like, like I said, we, we can say that there are issues, but there are also plays to be made there sometimes. And when they are, uh, it, Zach Wilson's not consistently hitting them. And when it's the second play of the game and you've got an out route that's open, like, dude, hit it. Don't airmail it out of bounds. Hit it. You know, we got to try to get ourselves in a rhythm somehow. So, uh, I, look, I don't. I don't mean to dump on Zach Wilson because, like I said, there's plenty of blame to go around there. But if Aaron Rodgers is 40 and Aaron Rodgers is coming back from what is a serious injury, regardless of how well he's been doing now, you know, in terms of his recovery, like that's still a difficult proposition for him to come back, say, against the commanders, you know, as you brought up their schedule. They got to play the Browns defense a week later on a short week on a Thursday. I mean, I think that the Cardinals said, we're going to just kind of put Clayton Toon out there as a sacrificial lamb so that Kyler Murray doesn't have to go up against Miles Garrett and Darius Smith and Dalvin Tomlinson and all of those really, really good defensive linemen that the Browns have. And I shouldn't just say linemen, like their whole entire front seven has been great this year. And so is their back end, right? Is that something that you want to do with the 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers in December when it's going to be cold? And he's coming off a serious Achilles injury that in and, and the offensive line probably can't block. That's something that's they, the, the Jets are definitely going to have to wait. That's not an easy thing for him to come back to. One more 
bit of sound, and it comes from two Jets players, the two guys that provided the biggest glimmers of hope for the future last year. Garrett Wilson, who was the NFL's Offensive Rookie of the Year, and Brees Hall, who was spectacular in his rookie season before he tore his ACL. Let's hear from them about the Jets' current offensive woes. When you play at this level and, and you play on the offensive side of the ball, if you weren't angry, I would think something was wrong, truly. Um, you know, the, the standard I hold myself to and, you know, the, the, the teams I've, you know, had the opportunity to be a part of, um, you know, this you know, it's, it, this is disappointing, and, it, you know, it, it, it definitely messes um, with your psyche a little bit. It's all got to grow up and just continue to do our job each and every play. We can't have one or two people killing the play. Um, it's all got to take pride in it. What do you mean by grow up? Just grow up and just do our job. We do our 111th every play. You know, this kind of reminds me of the Aaron Rodgers advice given from afar a month or so ago. Don't point fingers. Don't complain. Just do your job. And he's around now, and he's in a position where he can deliver that message. But at some point, if you're going to be around, it starts to dilute if you're not playing, if you're not part of it, if you're not out there dealing with it. Like, there are of Aaron Rodgers that will cause them to hang on every word. He says, that's going to wear off. You're going to get used to it in time. Like, when you're starstruck by someone, if you're around them all the time, eventually it fades. Eventually something happens that causes you to say, that guy's not much different than the rest of us. I'm no longer mm-hmm. in awe of that person. So at some point he's got to be back on the field. The, the pregame warm and – and I'm not trying to contradict what I said earlier. All I'm saying is the messaging from Aaron Rodgers isn't going to work unless he's playing. I'm not saying he should. This is a tough one. And I think – you know, somebody was asking me yesterday about, is Josh Dobbs the future in Minnesota? Well, these things have a way of answering themselves. Mm-hmm. Let's just see. And by the time we get to the end of the season, just like the MVP race, we spend so much time talking about it, which is fine. It's good for business. That's why we're here. But by the time you get to the end of the season, you just kind of know. You kind of know. Yeah. Like, we'll know whether or not Josh Dobbs is the future. We'll know who the MVP is or should be. And we'll know when Aaron Rodgers is healthy, whether or not it's worth the time, the effort, and the risk for him at the age of 40 to go out there and play. And really, and this isn't me trying to justify my paycheck to NBC by selling Sunday night's game. There's only so much that can sell Sunday night's game, Jets, Raiders. But, but this game. I'm looking forward to that game. This game, well, you get paid this week and I don't. This game, and the more I think about it, right, because the Raiders have the new vibe. The Raiders have the ding-dong, the witch is dead thing going on. So that makes them fun. And I've said all along the NFL is better when the Raiders are good, when the Raiders are relevant, because you love them, you hate them. They're the AFC's version of the Cowboys. But for the Jets, as a practical matter, this is it. I think if they can't beat the Raiders on Sunday night, this is why you watch this one, folks. Everybody out there who gives a caca about football, watch this one on Sunday night. See, I'm going to get paid now. Watch this one on Sunday night because if the Jets lose this one, if you're Aaron Rodgers, why bother? Because Buffalo's next, and I know the Jenga Tower may collapse, but Buffalo's next and then the Dolphins on Black Friday, and it may be Black Friday 
for the for the New York Jets. That may be their fourth loss in a row by dinner time when you're eating your first round of turkey leftovers the day after Thanksgiving. They may be done and this game Sunday night to me is the keystone on whether or not they'll be done before we even get to December and Aaron Rodgers even has a chance to flirt with the idea of playing. They may be oh, done. Man. If they lose to the Raiders on Sunday night, they very well may be done. Oh, you're making me think of Steely Dan, man. Let's throw another verse into that song. When Black Friday comes, the New York Jets may be done. Yeah? I don't know. It's interesting when you put it like that. You know, I, I'm I'm thinking about what they could do to this uh, offense that is now led by Aiden O'Connell with the Las Vegas Raiders. And like that could be a very difficult proposition for him to go out there and look good, given what this, this team has done to other quarterbacks. But at the same time, just the vibes that are coming out of Las Vegas, they also, they smell like cigars and it really, really seems (laughs) joyful Right. Everything that I have been hearing and seeing from the Raiders and talking to some people I know that that still cover that team. I mean, it is one of the most unique situations that I've ever heard of with an in-season firing. Right. It is like you said, ding dong, the witch is dead. So I think that there are a lot of compelling things that come down to Sunday Night Football. And they're four and five. Yeah. I mean, they're not out of it by any means. It's. It's a it's a tough field in the AFC. And that AFC North baby. Like after the Broncos beat the Chiefs. After the Broncos beat the Chiefs, it's like, hey, are the Broncos do the Broncos have a chance? And you look at the standings, it's like, man, you gotta jump over a lot of teams to get into that seventh spot. But somebody's gonna land there. And if the Raiders can parlay what they did on Sunday against the Giants, now it was aided by the fact that Tommy DeVito played most of the game right quarterback game. for the Giants. But if if they if they can if they can beat the Jets on Sunday night, they become five and five. Jets fall to four and five. The Raiders are a far more viable contender at that point than the Jets. So it is a big game. I retract everything I said earlier about the game. I mean, it yeah, may Mike. set back offensive football. I, I, you know, although there have been many examples this year that set offensive football back to the seventies. But yeah, th- this this is an impactful game. A lot's riding on it for the Jets, and the Raiders have an opportunity to become a great in-season story. More cigars in the locker room. Max Crosby with his tattoo shirt, uh, with the cigars running around, and Mark Davis makes a cameo. I've watched that video 50 times. I think it's great. It's just great (laughs) to see grown men joyful, having fun, acting like kids. That was the moment that drew me to this damn sport 51 years ago, December 23, 1972, when the house was full of neighbors who couldn't watch Raiders-Steelers playoff game on their own TVs, we somehow had the game. And when Franco Harris caught the ball and ran in and scored, to see a room packed with grown-ups acting like kids, that's when I thought, there may be something to this football. This may be something worth paying attention to. So that's why maybe that's why I watched that video over and over again. I love to see that joy. And we see it in every locker room to some extent. But there was something extra about what the Raiders were experiencing because it wasn't just winning a game. It was ding dong. The witch is dead. 
And don't you ever talk about the Patriots that way, like Josh McDaniels reportedly said to Antonio Pierce when he invoked the 2007 Giants beating the Patriots in Super Bowl 42. That was the, the story of the weekend from Jay Glazer. It, because yeah. it almost sounds made up. The whole I know. thing, and I had so many people last week, hey, you get to look into this story that Josh McDaniels dressed up as Mark Davis for Halloween and had P.F. Chang's brought in because that's his favorite <laughs> restaurant, and then they sat down and ate, and Mark Davis gave him the fortune cookie, and he opened it up, and it said, you're fired. Like, you got to look into it. I was like, do you really think that happened? Do you, like, isn't there, do you, do you have no inherent bullcrap detector that would tell you as you're reading these details? As compelling as it sounds, there's no way it's true. This Glazer thing is true that Antonio Pierce mentioned to the team before Josh McDaniels was fired. We got to believe we can beat anyone. The 2007 Giants believed it, and we beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And all McDaniels cares about after that is, don't you ever talk about the Patriots like that. And that gets back to Mark Davis. And you know what? I said a lot of things last week about Mark Davis, but I kind of agree with his reaction. I kind of, I kind of agree I with his reaction <laughs> to hearing that. Yeah, oh, I know, I know. I said some things the next day too. So, but I kind of like that. All right. Um, oh, by the way, uh, we before got. we we wrap this segment, we're already like ten minutes over what we're supposed to be. Uh-huh. Keenan Allen joined the ten thousand yard club last night. Oh yeah, salute! Great career with the Chargers, and he did it. He did it with arguably the catch of the year. My son said, "Is this the best catch of the year so far?" It's pretty damn close. I mean, to get the hand on it, falling down, get the other hand, tuck it, and hit the ground, and there's no doubt whatsoever that that's a catch. All because Justin Herbert missed him again. Mm -hmm. Joe and Troy made that point. Like, Justin Herbert's got something going on with Keenan Allen where when he's open, he's kind of like wanting to throw it over his head. But that was a great, great catch by Keenan Allen to get to 10,000 yards, and we saw him signing the ball, and he handed it to somebody in the stands. And it, I don't know what family member that was. Mother, I don't know. But it was great. It was a great moment. Great moment for Keenan Allen. Great moment for the Chargers. Great moment for anybody who likes offense because it was a night devoid of many moments like that where there was an offensive play that made you go, ooh, ooh I kind of like that. Give me more. We didn't get much last <laughs> night. That'll have to suffice, Miles. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, like you said, great career by Keenan Allen. And, you know, we haven't seen him in the playoffs enough because of all the things that have happened with the Chargers. But I, he is one of those players that you see him every week. He is so consistent. He is so good. He gets separation. You wish he could make more plays. Maybe he should have gotten to 10,000 yards a couple weeks ago. I don't know. But I mean, you know, it's one of those things where you need to celebrate things like that because that is a guy who has definitely had a great career. And to get 10000 on a catch like that, man, I think that that really sums up how good he has been. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, Miles mentioned Kyler Murray get, uh, earlier in the segment. Will he be back this weekend, plus some other starting quarterback news as the NFL realizes there aren't enough bad quarterbacks to go around? More PFT Live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 